Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. And welcome, internets, to another episode of Fan Bros Special Delivery. It's your boy, DJ Ben Hameen, a.k.a. Lucius Lionel, a.k.a. the Kevin Bacon of the internets, a.k.a. Ben Hameen Button, up in the building, in the spaceship, on the escape pod, in the command seat. No Chico Leo this week again, but I am joined by... Ilvicious. What up, Ben Hameen? What's good, LOYC? How you doing, sir? Everything is almost lovely, but uh, I have some personal matters to attend to. We're not going to address that right now. But what's right. happening in your world? Uh, everything's good over here, man. Been another good week in the life of DJ Ben Amin, you know, living it up in New York City. Getting into the wintry mode right now, but, you know, it's been a good week. The weather was still nice. Hope everyone out there is having a good week, enjoying their life. Nintendo Beezy, rolling in your 6 yeah, you know, you know how I do all that good stuff. Yep, that's right, folks. It's another episode of Fan Bros Show, Walking Dead exclusive special delivery. We got to get right into it. This week's episode was entitled Always Accountable and mainly featured the exploits of Daryl, Abraham and Sasha and what has been happening to them since they went off on this big, you know, mission to move all the walkers away from the quarry. That has gone awry for everyone else and quickly goes awry for our heroes in this episode as well. Awry is, uh, yeah, I think that's appropriate. You know, but we're finally getting the first few hints of things to come uh, after the midseason finale. So it's, it took some dope twists and turns. It was a little slower paced episode because it had the, the tight focus on Daryl, but everything was solid this week out. Yeah, I, um, I don't know if I would say this week was as solid as the other weeks, but... It was an enjoyable episode, and it was cool to see, you know, the moves of Daryl and Sasha, but there was just a couple of really, you know, idiotic moments in the episode where I, you know, I lost faith in people and just like, and I guess in the writing, because like, you know, as we, you know, spoilers, of course, but Daryl and Sasha and Abraham are traveling at the beginning of the episode with this horde of zombies still behind them, rolling slow. When they're assaulted by a gang of people with weapons and guns and automatic rifles and all the sorts. So that turns into a gunfight. You know, Daryl falls off his bike. Sasha and Abraham deal some bullets to the people who are chasing them. And they get split up. And then Daryl runs into a group of people who, you know, assault him, knock him out and tie him up. And that leads into the main part of the episode. And there were just a couple of really stupid moments I felt between the two, you know, between Daryl and his chapters that I just couldn't get past. <laughs> what, what moment stood out to you? Uh, all right. Well, the first one was that, um, let's see, the first is that, well, actually, I guess this is just stupid moments on this chapters part is when Tina, when they come back upon the zombies who have been encased by the fire, you know, decides <laughs> to lay some flowers on them. Like, don't I leave mean, flowers. <laughs> Don't leave flowers on graves in the zombie apocalypse. I mean, you should have just brought more flowers for yourself because you should have already known that you were going to lay it down right next to them. And like, that was just the dumbest. Like, I mean, just, I mean, ridiculously stupid moves, you know, right there. 
And then the second ridiculously stupid move was Daryl giving the pistol back to homie and allowing himself to get jacked for his bike and his crossbow because that was just like, come on, Daryl, like, you can't trust him. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they go through the episode, they're going through the different hardships and they're facing down, you know, the people that are facing down. He's figuring he found some, you know, a comrade at arms. Because, you know, old Daryl wouldn't have trusted him at all. Whereas mm. new school, kind of down with the people, I'm out here recruiting because it's, you know, my, um, it shows my value and my worth, Daryl. He's trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, I, I'm going to hand you the gun. We both kind of going through this battle. Our back's against the wall. But I just like how he peeped game really quickly as he was talking to him and the conversation flowed. And Daryl, you know, came off that bike with a crossbow aimed at dude's face. Yep. But, you know, it played out how it played out. I loved, I loved uh, Daryl's last threat, though. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Most definitely. You will be. Yeah, Daryl definitely, you know, let him know that, you know, pain and, and vengeance is coming. And I'm quite sure that Daryl's going to serve that up hot and fresh. So, because you know who, that was what good. the dude's name is, right? That he was dealing with. No, what's that? His name is Dwight. Oh, well, then that is big to comic readers out there. Dwight is definitely a main member of the cast and. You know, like like we said, we already know that, you know, the great, as we were talking about last week, you know, Negan has been cast. So the news is out. You know, Negan will be appearing in the uh, midseason finale. So this was definitely leading into that. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a Dwight move to pull right there, too. So, I mean, for me, you know, just knowing the fact that like this episode was slow, like the Morgan episode was slow, but it wasn't a character study. But it gave us enough meaty parts that are gonna fuel um, the the latter half of the season. While yep. I was like, you know, I was kind of cool with it. I mean, I thought it was kind of you're sitting there and Daryl's cu- uh, not cuffed but tied up, and dudes kind of turn their back as the other the, the people roll up on him. I'm like, why don't you grab the bag and run? You know what I'm saying? And of course, like moments later, he did do that. But yep. I'm like, why are you waiting around for like you know standing there like a gump? <laughs> like grab your gear and get the fuck out of there. I thought it was cool of him to come back and um, bring the insulin back. It's, that's a move I would have done, but it's like I would have just tossed it to him and been out. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we're, not, we're not having conversation. I don't need your funky ass statue you was carving. Like here's your insulin for old girl, and I'm out. Like fuck you hoes, and if I ever see you again, you know a fight come with that. Yep. Yeah. No, I can feel that, and I guess that's you know Daryl. You know, like you said, I guess that's the title of the episode. Always accountable is Daryl is. You know, always accountable. Like he will, you know, go that extra mile and bring back your insulin and, you know, give you back your gun and then, you know, get played by that move. But, you know, that's what happens when you're always accountable. You know, he's like the boy scout of the crew. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, I guess he should have been a little more prepared if he was really a boy scout, but, well, you know, speak- he wasn't. <laughs> Speaking of always accountable and, uh, you know, player moves, always, oh. always accountable was the, the phrase uttered by, what's her name? Sasha? I guess yes. her name, uh, Dead Tyrese's sister. Yes. Um, you know, and she kind of had a lot of time spent with Abraham. We find out why he was so eager to get into the car with her. You know, he he, he wants a sweet taste of, uh, he got that jungle fever in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so he, he wants some of that deer. And uh, Sasha kind of called him on and was like, oh, is that your, is that your play? <laughs> you know, is that your move? But it was handled really, it was handled cool. You know, the, thir- the first thing I thought was, isn't Abraham still fucking with Rosita? Yeah, and I thought so. I'm glad that in that scene, you know, she addressed that. She was like, yeah, you got baggage. You know what I'm saying? You got shit you got to take care of, conversations you need to have. 
before yeah. you even try to press up on me. But she seemed like she was with it, you know. So a little of that um, Rick action of trying to get some is still spilling over into this new episode. I mean, definitely, you know, it seems to be in the zombie apocalypse. People are going for theirs nowadays. Like people have been, you know, they've, they've been through it long enough where now they realize that, you know, I better get some before I get killed. Yeah. And maybe if I get some, you know, I'll survive longer like Glenn, you know. But that seems to be the, the secret. But all I can think of is STDs and the zombie apocalypse. You know what mm. I mean? Like, they, they on the run. It's sweaty. It's nasty. No mm. showers. No hot water. You know? Nah. Yo, I mean, for real, yo, Daryl looks like he ain't showered since before the zombie apocalypse at this point. Yeah, that man must reek, boy. And you know he used to bathe in one of those tubs. <laughs> like, a, like a beer tub. <laughs> The open air joint for real. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. Oh man. So yeah, it was definitely a good episode. And like like we said, there's a lot of setup. You know, we heard the name Wade being mentioned. You know, we have Dwight being introduced. We see, you know, different people other than the wolves attacking our heroes this episode. So we see different factions of these people lining up now and different groups, which, you know, as all comic readers will know, this definitely plays into later. And that definitely answers another question. That I had and some other people had are the wolves the same people as Negan's crew. And now it seems that no, the saviors are going to be a distinct people. That the saviors are Negan's crew in the comics and the wolves seem to be just something else. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, it's kind of weird that they only have showed the dude Wade because they intentionally never uh, showed his face. So mm-hmm. that was obscure, and I, I kind of like wondered if that was going to play out into some bigger reveal, but it didn't play out in this episode. So I guess we'll see what happens in the next uh, episode. And the other final thing that the episode really left you with was Daryl getting on the radio and hearing, help. Mm. So yes. already speculation has begun as to whether or not that's Glenn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in our interview, um, Norman Reed said, no, it's not Glenn. So ah. another mystery to be uh, solved in, you know, in the coming weeks on The Walking Dead. So who is saying help then is the question then. Wow, and it's not Glenn. Okay, interesting. Very interesting, Walking Dead. Well, we only have two episodes left before the, I mean, not before, before it's all over for the midseason. So two more, and we'll check back in next week. And, uh, yeah, following the Walking Dead, the most hyped, most heralded into the Badlands finally kicked off. And the name of the episode, Ella, was... Fort. Fort, yeah, all right. Mm, very, you know, bland title for... I won't say a bland show, but... um, hmm. Okay, let's say, there was a lot to uncap in this episode. You know, it's the first episode of a new series that takes place in a fictional world. So you have to explain a whole lot of things. So there's definitely a lot of exposition in this episode, coupled with a lot of fighting... So it was a lot of talking about a very lot of different things and then the fights were cool, but the episode kind of dragged when they weren't fighting and didn't give me the best feeling for Enter the Badlands. How you feel about it? Uh, I, I give it like a C minus. I mean, it started off dope with a, a great vicious battle as the lead yes. character Sonny rolled up on his crew of people and viciously dismantled them without mm. even unsheathing his sword. I mean, word. So, I for, I, yeah, I didn't even think that that he really didn't. Yeah, he never even took the sword out in the first one. Yeah, I mean, handled him in gruesome, bone cracking, neck snapping, you know, smash down on a, a spike where a pig was roasting ways. 
But um, sister bobbed my dude very nicely. You know, but then it just kind of fell into um, a lot of exposition and world bending tropes as they tried to kind of explain the lay of the land for everybody. I think they just kind of did too much in this episode, and um, and I mean they did too much all around. You know, they did too much in terms of the you know it's a mishmash of styles. You know, we have the uh, the fort where you know the show, the show basically has a, uh, a series of seven barons who have their own little fiefdoms or whatever. And in the Baron, this one is named, uh, I don't, I can't remember, Quinn. Quinn is the guy's name. And he's like this kind of weird antebellum South Baron. But, you know, people have like 1930s cars, guns are outlawed, they have swords, you know, but then they have like a training ground that looks like some medieval Conan style, you know, battleground where kids train. So, I mean, it's just a mishmash of styles and it, they... It kind of doesn't work, you know, because of how they're filming it. You know, it's like it's a little too too clean and too kind of a uh, crispy in a way, like kind of CW show style. So it doesn't really work with what they're trying to do, and it just kind of stands out as like a store of some. But um, the episode overall, I mean, because they're trying, you know, and they also have the uh, the chosen one trope with the kid that Sonny kind of rescues, and then um, I mean, it just kind of drag, you know. And that was a big, you know, like Ben, I mean, you know, uh, it maybe it should be called Into the Dreamland. Because mm. um, it almost put my man to sleep. Yeah, so. it definitely did. But I won't say that the the way it's shot, the cinematography really did anything. I didn't say it was CW level, even though I get what you're saying. And the mishmash of styles is definitely there. And it's one of those things where, like we said, we have to they have to explain so much because there's these seven barons. Uh, it takes place in the future. It seems you know far enough where the banning of guns take place in the past in this world long enough for people even have forgotten when that happened but there's like we said there's just so much that they had to explain and perhaps they should have just rolled it out in pieces throughout the season instead of just throwing it all in your face and i'm sure there will be more coming up you know we have a kid who when he bleeds his eyes turn black and he you know kicks major whooping you know deals out whoopings with no problem but you know, so I guess that's the mystery of what's going on and Sonny, whether or not he'll leave the fort, betray his baron. It's, ah, I don't know. I had high hopes for it. The action is really dope, though. I will give them that. I really enjoyed all yeah. the fights. It's some good wire food. Yes. I mean, the same reservations I had watching the commercials, kind of, they all played out, you know? Because mm-hmm. it looked like some cool little action scenes and a really sparse story. And a lot of the stuff they gave in terms of the story was just, it wasn't original in any kind of way, you know, and no idea is original, but I mean, it just didn't spark me. Like I would watch a couple more episodes just to kind of see because they laid out so much exposition in this episode, maybe in episode two, they aren't going to, you know, cover all that same ground again. And they'll actually pick up the pace with the story and what they're trying to accomplish versus kind of, you know, rehashing, you know, all the barons and all the kingdoms or whatever. I mean, we get the Baron here, the Baron of the Fort, which is Quinn. We got the Baron, uh, we don't know what her, her land is called, but the Widow, she's here chasing the Chosen One. Um, you know, you find out that Sonny has a kid coming from some healer lady, and the kid would have to die, or they have to die, or somebody would have to die if she has a baby or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> it was just kind of <laughs> all over the place, you know, trying to do too much in the episode. Like I said, it was just, you know, that was this thing. That's what shot itself in the foot by trying to do so much in this one episode. And, you know, not really doing any of it really excellent, really greatly, except for the action scenes. And that's just not enough to compel you beyond maybe one or two episodes. 
most definitely. But, you know, we'll definitely give it a chance. You know, big shout-outs to Sonny, though. I did like him. The actor playing him did a great job. I also really enjoyed, you know, the fact that there's, you know, like on The Walking Dead, we have another interracial romance in the works here. And then you also had uh, one thing I had to say is Sonny's back is covered in tattoos of, you know, counting the people that he's murdered. And in this episode alone, like Sonny would have to add like another 10, 15 people real quick. Uh, like at least 20. <laughs> yeah. So Sonny's back is going to run out pretty quick. I don't understand how, you know, that trope ever works, but it was a cool little shot or whatever. So Into the Badlands Sundays on AMC. You know, we got to give it a shot. You know, it's got an Asian actor in the lead, plenty of different races in it. So, you know, we'll keep checking in on our fan bros. But so far, like Illa said, uh, about a C minus. Yeah, and at least you got wire food. So, you know, it's got a shot. Most y'all, definitely. Y'all Kung Fu kids. All right. Now, you know, this is another jam packed week of TV. There's been so much. It's been really amazing to me how much, you know, like superhero content is on the air right now because. You know, week after week now, it's just filled with it. We got Jessica Jones dropping this weekend, so it's just going to be an insane week. But last week, we had Supergirl fight or flight, uh, the third episode in the season. In this episode, she faces off against Reactron, who is a barking basement-looking Iron Man dude who shoots nuclear blasts. So, I mean... I didn't see on Twitter, but, yo, that's all I was thinking was, like, Whiplash, you know, or, like, the worst Iron Man ever. It was, like, such a cheap um, Iron Man-looking costume, you know, down to the glowing circle. But Supergirl fights him, and it ran into one of the big problems of the series so far is that they can't really show Superman. But Superman does show up in this episode to save her from Reatron. But you just see his leg. What? He yeah, he fights he fights Reatron for a second and it flies away. And then when Supergirl awakens, you know, he's gone because he had to go solve some other problem. I think a volcano in the South Pacific or some mess. So, yeah, here is one of the problems that the show might face. Because then in the end of the episode, they have her and Clark texting each other. And it just comes off so corny and so false because, you know, Superman could fly over there in seconds. And just talk to her, but since they can't show him, you know, they're resorted to having him text even and not even a phone call. So Clark, you know, I mean, it stays true to the comments because Superman is a massive dick. And, you know, that's like pretty true to his character in the comic book. So there is that one thing going for it. But isn't this show like done by WB or they are? Yeah, I'm really, and that's another thing I'm really not understanding. Like, I don't understand when this show exactly. Is it taking place in the Man of Steel universe? I know it's obviously not connected to the Flash or Arrow, but it, but it is it is it not? I thought it was. It, I thought it was supposed to be. No, it's definitely not connected to those two. Those two are definitely not going to cross over, at least until the ratings go into the toilet. You know, one of them needs it, but um, yeah, not right now. But Superman is like he's fought Reactron in the past in this show. You know he. There, it's obvious that he'd been operating in Metropolis for a while. Jimmy Olsen is well established as being his friend and the reporter and all that stuff. So I'm not thinking that this is even taking place in the Man of Steel universe. So this is pretty much like off on its own because well, it's not operating with Gotham or anything. So, but, but here's the test: Was there a lot of debris in Metropolis, and did Superman show up and murder Reactron? 
No, he didn't. And nothing is gray and gloomy constantly. And people don't give really murky advice in this show either. So no yeah, so I don't think it, you know, people also don't get killed in tornadoes for no reason. But, um, yeah, I don't, so I'm thinking that this show is not connected at all, and it's it's completely your own world, and if so, you know, so far it's cool, we'll see where it goes, I've been enjoying it, I really like, you know, Shorty playing Supergirl, and I have to report that in three episodes, my man playing Jimmy Olsen is still dope, and even though I could not stand him on True Blood, and I'm getting a lot of hate in the comments on that, but Eggs was the worst ever. And I'm quite enjoying him on this show. So, you know, I'm not mad at the dude. So keep on keeping on. And we also had uh, the romance between Jimmy Olsen and Supergirl is still progressing. Also, her homie at the job wants to get at her. It's, you know, a big love triangle. And I guess it's a love square now because this episode also features the introduction of Lana Lang, Lois's cousin. And she and Jimmy had a former relationship and she's trying to pick up where they left off. So, you know, it's definitely a big romance show with some, you know, super fights in between. But I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I don't know. I may have to eventually get around to checking out Supergirl. It just, you know, too much good content. Like this uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. And it picked up fresh off the heels of last episode where Andrew uh, has been revealed as Lash to Melinda May. And in this episode, he's confronted by her, and then he kind of has to, he basically kidnaps her so that he can buy himself some time to try to explain his side of the story. Um, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. team springs into action, <clears throat> working with the ATCFU or AF, whatever the hell, the ATCFU, um, and Rosalind. That's her name, At Foo? I, something like that. ATCU. And maybe it's ATCU. I just think it's ATFU. Yeah, that's great. At the FU, at Foo, however you want to roll with it. All right. <laughs> but uh, so the Shield Squad teams up to try to go get Melinda and um, deal with Lash. Uh, and that kind of pretty much gets sorted relatively quickly. So, uh, you know, that kind of gets handled. Uh, you know, mystery solved. And he's kind of boxed away in a refrigerator for, with the ATCU. But we also get the twist of Coulson, you know, finally stepping his pimp hand, you know, laying the pimp hand down or, or the pimp cyborg hand. And, uh, you know, getting with Rosalind. So they end up, you know, spending the night with one another. And fresh off of that, it's revealed that Rosalind makes a phone call to Powers Booth. So she's somehow in cahoots with him. Whether or not she knows he's actually, you know, evil Hydra dude or not is still to be seen. But, you know, it's an interesting little twist on its own. And we had a little bit of movement on the Grant Ward front. And uh, he'll be playing a bigger role as we kind of lead into the, the midseason finale. Nice, yeah, no, definitely. I've definitely still been enjoying Shield as well. I really like Rosalind. I think that's the same shorty who was on Entourage, right? No, no. Okay, about, different. Uh, what's her name? What's his name's girlfriend? No, no. His uh, she was his publicist. She was um. No, no, she wasn't the publicist. Okay. Her face is. She's definitely a character actress. I mean, I've seen her around, but I can't place what else she's been on. I no, but the uh, IMDb and see what's up with her. Most definitely, yeah, but she's been doing a great job as Rosalind. I like that Colson, you know, has this little relationship going on there. You know, fits it's a his, cool dynamic. You know, they got yeah. Cool, you know, it's cool to see two powerful people, both intelligent, powerful people, no nonsense. You know, they're. I like the way their dialogue is written. Even like their first flirtations were so hilarious because they were so to the point. 
and just so like I mean to the point isn't even a word like I had to rewind the scene to even realize that they were flirting with each other because it was so like okay all right yeah it's on you know it was just like that it was like just straight to the point yo I'm I'm feeling you okay okay but but you all my thing with character romances and and things you know, because I go always go back to the well on um, Anakin and Padme, and then uh, uh, Ghost and uh, Angela, or whatever her name is. Is that those? That's the things that I was talking about. Is that you can't compare Ghost. No, no they are far what? more developed than Anakin and Padme. Who is uh, Ghost and Angela? Not really. Yes. Not if you think about it, and that's what. I, but that's what I was saying with something like this. With this, you see the rapport between Coulson and Rosalind, and you see what the attraction could be. You see them having like a little witty repartee and you see the back and forth and that kind of dance that they do. You know what I mean? And that's where they can still build on the story. And these two don't even have the history that, you know, that's implied for somebody like Ghost and um, what's her name? Uh, Angela. You know, or, you know, of course, Anakin and, and Padme is just the lowest of the low in the worst freaking romance uh, in cinema history to me. But you see it here, you know what I mean? And that's what I'm talking about. Even with like Han Solo and Leia, you see that dynamic and you see, okay, I know why he would dig her. I know why she would dig him. I know why they would hook up. And you see how it's, you know, it's written a certain, and it's, it's part of the writing, but also the characters, you know, the actors, how they play it, you know? Because she's, as Rosalind, she's kind of like that stoic, stern, um, I'm in charge lady. And she walks that fine line of not being the stereotypical bitch, even though I'm in charge type of character. And she kind of plays it in a cool way. You know what I mean? And that flirtation sits there where, okay, you can see why Colson would dig her, you know? And she still is, man, it's not so much that she's tough, but she still is in charge and handling her business. And you see why she would be respected by her team, you know? And I think that that's a, a tr- really much a tribute to um, Clark Gregg and the, the actress who plays Rosalind. I mean, they're, they're doing a phenomenal job. And I think the writers have kind of handled that whole dynamic really well. And I think that as... The, uh, the things play out, you know, because now we know that Rosalind somehow either involved with Hydra or connected to him as that plays out. And Coulson's going to go through that process of feeling betrayed. You know, that's going to make their their relationship grow and add a whole nother layer of character development and dynamic that, you know, is really will, will really be appreciated. And that's missing from those other series. Most definitely. And I also have to say that I think it's effed up that, you know, someone like Rosalind. And there is a such idea of, you know, a woman being a bitch just because she's smart and powerful. It's like that's messed up that that is even a stereotype, you know, because a man, when he's smart and powerful, doesn't have to deal with such things. But also, I will raise you on your Anakin and Padme and throw in uh, Queen Latifah and Common in that movie they did together, because that's definitely up there in the worst romances ever filmed. And um, I will take <laughs> off Ghost. That <laughs> yeah, and I'll take Ghost and Angela off because there are some things that actually, you know, make them uh, understandable as a couple. So, yeah, I'm gonna have to, you know, leave it at that. Another solid week of Agents of Shield once again, proving that a show can start off terrible and then completely <laughs> redeem itself. Because I cannot believe how good Agents of Shield has gotten. And another show that has always been top notch is your boy's favorite show, The Flash. Inner Zoom was this week's episode. And finally, Zoom is revealed, or not the secret of who he is is revealed, but Zoom is revealed. And it is lives up to the hype as Zoom whoops the Flash's ass in major fashion. 
Zoom is a beast. Yes, I a a beast. A busy's catching bullets, catching lightning bolts, not having it from any of the Flash's tricks or pretty much anybody in uh, Central City's tricks. And, you know, whoops the Flash, you know, breaks his legs. Spoiler leaves him at the end of the episode unable to walk. Yo, I mean, there's other stuff that happened in the episode, but Ooh. like, we just gonna we just gonna ignore that. You know, we gotta focus on the main man, Zoom. He comes in, lives up to the hype, and he's a beast. Caught lightning, tossed it back at my man, grab, yoked him up, and just paraded him around the city. Like, yeah, you know, let me go to the to the police station. Yo, this is your man here. This your hero. This 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 what you got? Right. <laughs> Nothing, let me go. Son. Let me go to the press. Uh, uh, this guy's worthless. You know, front page news, Zoom kicks ass. I like mean, he, he sunned him on so many <laughs> levels. Like, yo, this is your hero? I'm ragdolling through the city? <laughs> you know what it's like? It's like having a uh, a muscle car and tying a flag to the antenna. You know what I'm saying? He's just zipping through the town. <laughs> <laughs> you going to see me, Holmes. Like after it's like doing that like after your team wins and you put all the you know team flags on your car, you know. Like didn't he take him back and just spike him like he made a touchdown? Like, <laughs> he, just, like, he just dumped my man off. Like I'm gonna holler at you. Like I'm not even gonna finish you, dog. You know. What I'm you done. Mean? I'm done with this. I'm done with you, son. <laughs> You're no fun to me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> was out. Zoom was a beast. I mean, honestly, like you said, I really can't even remember much of what happened else in the episode. You know, what else went on in it? Because, you know, well, Zoom I, was so much for me that I'm, <laughs> you know, I really don't know. Well, they had the, uh, the whole episode revolved around them trying to set up Zoom. So they were using uh, Earth One Linda Park to play dress up as Dr. Oh, yeah, Light that's right. Yeah. And uh, scam Zoom. So the, the episode kind of starts with a, 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 a four, in regular time and then it flashes back like 72 hours before or whatever. They mm-hmm. go through trying to train Linda in how to be Dr. Light. Uh, the real Dr. Light from Earth 2 escapes somehow. Um, Cisco does his vibe thing and learns that Harrison Wells' daughter, Jesse Quick, that's a, uh, a nice little Easter egg for those of you familiar with the DC Comics. Yes. Uh, Jesse Quick is the daughter of Harrison Wells and has been captured by Zoom on Earth 2. And so that's kind of the primary motivating factor for Earth 2 dickhead Harrison Wells to be helping out Team Flash. And, uh, you know, so they go through that thing. But then Zoom comes in, comes through that portal, and proceeds to lay waste to pretty much, you know, the whole squad. Or, now, or the Flash. without me checking, you know, Wikipedia or anything, Jesse Quick is the daughter of Max Mercury in the comics, right? Yeah. And she's and another is, speedster. And she's the one who gains her speed by reciting the formula. Is that Max and Jesse Quick? I don't know how Jesse Quick gets her powers. Um, yep. Max, I think, had the formula. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that's true, yeah, no, definitely. Because uh, Jesse Quick is also the daughter of Max Mercury, and I think a woman who has super strength or something, and she obtains both of their powers. But before we lose her audience, the formula we're speaking of is a formula that her father invents that, uh, when recited, allows the person to gain super speed. Yes, it's comics books, everyone, you know. These are the awesome abilities of comics. You know, you can recite a random math formula and boom, super speed. So <laughs> so maybe that Earth 2 Harrison Wells has come up with that since he has some kind of way he feels that he can defeat Zoom. But um, obviously doesn't work. I mean, Zoom gets, 
Actually, they try to shoot Zoom. Zoom grabs the needle out of midair. Like, yeah, not having that that trick what? either. He takes the oh, that was another major development. That's what he Zoom grabs the needle out of midair, injects it into the Flash, and yes. that's when he takes off with him and shows him off to the cops, to the press. Like what? Yeah. So, so definitely yeah. a little Easter egg with Jesse Quick. But other than that, like we said, most of the episode is all about Zoom and Zoom, you know, putting them whoopings on Flash. Next week, we have Grodd returning, which, you know, looks to be awesome as always. But this week, you know, major repercussions. You know, Flash has been stuck with the needle repercussions, repercussions, you know, however you want to say it. Flash been stuck with the needle. And also Zoom, you know, gave him one to the bat that seems to have broken it. So, banged him, you know. <laughs> That's become a thing? He banged yeah, him. banged him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a verb. <laughs> Use it in a sentence, folks. Um, so I, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> yeah, I've been banged. So, yeah, Flash, inner Zoom. And, you know, definitely looking forward to next week, man. This show is crazy right now. Yeah, but I think this episode, because for me, after the first episode, uh, then we had like however many that's been in between. You know, it's kind of the show just steadily kind of started dipping for me, you know, because they they don't really develop the villains. But this stuff with Zoom and a parallel Earth, like, that's what I'm that's what I paid my money for. That's what I'm here for. You know, yeah, I I really wasn't mad at them not developing the villains. I was more mad at the fact that Barry uh, murdered two villains in cold blood. In the first two episodes, and nobody seemed to even, you know, be bothered by this, especially Barry himself. But Barry has a secret underground prison. <laughs> I know, right? Yo, Barry's morals on this show are like it's right up there with Guantanamo. the. Yeah, he's right up there with the Punisher. B. like Barry is giving no f's on this show. Like, yo, let me just kidnap you, throw you in a cell. I mean, how do they feed them? You know what I'm saying? Like burgers. <laughs> That's what they brought Harrison, you know. Burgers seem to be a major, you know. I, that's what I've been thinking. You, know, I want the, I want that logo at a burger company. They're always hitting up on a T-shirt. Like they need to make that happen. But, but seriously though, I, I see no feeding tray because one of the dudes is missed. So if you open any kind of thing, he's out. Yeah. So it's like they, how are they feeding these? How are they maintaining them? There's no toilet in there. I mean, it's just a box. Man. And for a while on this season, I thought that they had moved on to having like some type of their own, you know, like a metahuman prison because they said something about that. Uh, the officer Wells said something about that at one point, but I mean West, but it doesn't seem to it like in this episode, right? They went back downstairs into their, you know, Guantanamo Bay. Yes, I mean, you know, I haven't seen any of the. That's where Doctor Light was at in the, you know, in prison there. And I, I kind of I want to say I remember what you're talking about with West, but yep. they never showed it at any point them being transported to that prison. So I mean, to my knowledge, they're all you know it's just a bunch of people they're holding hostage downstairs. Well, let's hope it's better than that. It may be Doctor Light, you know, it's just on temporary until you know they move her. But either way, you know, Barry's well, morals on escaped. this show. Yeah, well, you know, she's just avoiding that either way. But Barry's morals on this show definitely need some work because my man is cold, you know, cold as ice. MOP over here. <laughs> you know, it is. Well, so, man, it's a lot of content. Anything else that we missed this week? Uh, Gotham came through with another um, really kind of forgettable episode. I mean, this this show is just, I guess, campy, fun in a way, but it's just kind of crashing and burning to me as a series that you have to watch. 
You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's cool if you know, like I don't smoke weed, but if you want to get high and smoke one and watch it, you know, and laugh, <laughs> then, you know, I, I encourage you to do so. You know what I'm saying? I mean, hey, you know, but other than that, it's just it's so over the top in a way that's not even fun anymore. So I don't know. So, I mean, Theo Gallivan makes his move. He tries to get Bruce Wayne to sign over Wayne Enterprises. And in the dumb move, he's like, I have information on your parents. And instead of just giving it to him as a show of good faith, you know, so that Bruce would just sign over the company, he's like, nah, if you sign, I give it to you. If you don't sign, I'm going to keep this. And it's just like stupid little stuff like that. I mean, the Riddler's kind of played out. He runs, he's in the forest trying to bury his body, he ends up killing somebody else um, and stumbles onto a uh, trailer in a, where the penguin is hiding out. Um, Barbara Gordon tries to kill Jim at this church and uh, she ends up like going out of the window, hanging off, and then she drops down and she like gets impaled on something, I think, or she splatters on the concrete or I don't know. I mean, Barbara it, Gordon's it, dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbara... Barbara, Barbara, whatever her name is. Um, Barbara, I don't know what Barbara's name is. But, yeah, she's very much out of there. And it's wow. Movie. What a twist. Yeah, so um, Batgirl Oracle fans, I don't you know, I don't know who, um, I guess he's, you know, maybe Commissioner Gordon's going to seed up somebody else, you know, name her after her mom. Mm. But uh, in the comics, I want to say traditionally Barbara Gordon has been, Batgirl has been named after her mother, Barbara. Yeah. Uh, about that, yeah. You know, Barbara this show Gordon, is so far off the comics already. I mean, who really cares at this point, right? Yeah, well, but that's the interesting thing because you talk about Supergirl and how they kind of awkwardly um, inject Superman, whereas this one is Batman is all pervasive but never appears. You know, out. You know, I'm saying. I mean, Bruce Wayne is there, but it's just like how they how, how these two shows are going about handling. Their iconic heroes is like a major stumbling block to their actual enjoyment, mm. you know. Because if Gotham just functioned as a police procedural, focusing on the actual cops and the zany ass people they deal with in Gotham City, it would function a lot better, you know. Don't worry yeah. about trying to stick to um, Batman canon. Like it'd be cool. To, it's cool to have some of the ancestors and some of the other stuff, you know. Do it just like an Elseworlds type of thing, or you know, alternate history. But just develop the city itself, and it's like you, you know, show the city as the breeding ground where all these other characters in eventually come out of, you know, versus trying to have like you know name drop everybody, you know, and shoehorn in Firefly, and they're supposed to be bringing in um, Mr. Freeze, um, Mr. Freeze. And they announced somebody else that is coming in soon, <clears throat> but wow. they're trying to pull in all these back, you know, they had Scarecrow's dad and Scarecrow. They have all these kind of you know, father figures and poison ivy and all this stuff. And they're creating these loose strands connecting them all. And it's just so whack, you know, and, and, and that's what really gets the show off course. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it like you had you know, fish Mooney, who was completely fictional. So then you could kill her off or you could do different stuff with her, you know, and make the show interesting and kind of do some different twists and turns. True. Yeah. That's the problem because it's like, you still have to keep up the fact that they want to have, you know, Bruce Wayne turn into Batman and then him fight all of his iconic villains at some point, even if they don't do it on the show. But like you said, they should just probably roll with more of an Elseworlds alternate alternate universe and just, you know, keep it its own thing because that's what Supergirl seems to be doing so far. And even though they can't have Superman on it, it's still working, you know, for what it is because you have Jimmy Olsen doing his own thing. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy. He might get up with Supergirl and that's something that's never been done in the comics. So, it's at least giving it a chance to just live on its own. Yep. 
And uh, Arrow was cool. You know, check it out. <laughs> yep. Uh, are you peeping um, Ash versus Evil Dead yet? No, man. I haven't had time to go and watch. I think they're on episode three now. Yeah, they're three on three. I, I haven't peeped three yet either. So sorry, folks, to everyone out there. Uh, we'll get around to it eventually. You know, it's just a lot of stuff going on. And like we said, this week, Jessica Jones drops Friday night. So it's going to be, you know, even more next week's special delivery. It's going to be jam-packed. I don't know. We might have to do a special when you're eating me. Hello, we might have to get up, you know, have Chico Leo, all three of us, you know, join in the fun to review Jessica Jones, talk about it, see what else is popping. You know, it's going to be a big, big week. Last two weeks of Walking Dead. Crazy. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good time for comic book and genre fans of genre fiction on TV. Most definitely. So, as always, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud. Hit us up on our new YouTube page, Fan Bros TV. We out here. Your boy, Ben Amin, L-O-Y-C. Anything else? Yeah, we got the uh, Joshua Williams uh, Williamson interview dropping this week on that Fan Bros TV, so check it out. We got some more interviews with creators from Skybound, uh, Sean Martin Bro. And Paul Ezezeda, the artist of Thief of Thieves and Outcast, respectively. That'll be coming soon as well. So keep checking us out. Most definitely. Also, the um, what is that? From Dust Till Dawn dropping this week. Interviews with your boy Robert Rodriguez, the man himself. Oh. Will be on Fan Bros TV. That's right, boy. Bid time.